0: Before we start, Rory, we've just got two important questions for you. Um, first one, what's the largest animal that you could knock out with one punch? What? Sorry, that you could kill with one punch.
1: Why Kill with one punch? Um, well, I'm not totally against killing animals, but <laughs> um, kill with one punch, largest animal. Uh, this is a good one. Can I say a small whale? Because then it sounds like small whale
0: how thick yeah. is a whale's neck like that's if,
1: yeah but I if you reckon if you, if, you, if you get that if you get that jaw right then it'll die because it can't eat
0: I, so you punch it in the jaw and then wait for the long term slow yeah. death starvation
1: yeah well it's 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 the baleen actually it's the baleen rather than the jaw yeah
0: fine second Whoa. question I know my whales <laughs> so you punch it right in the baleen and uh yeah wait for it to die of starvation yeah. best answer we've got for that um, second question is, what's the largest animal you could throw over a six-foot fence?
2: Um,
1: so you're trying to work out how tough I am. Um, over a six-foot fence, we'll definitely go more than human. Oh, I'll go for – I'd, I'd give a gorilla a shot.
0: Wow. Okay. cool. Fine.
1: What, what about you guys? What do you think? Yeah, but I mean, if the gorilla wasn't fighting back, you know,
2: you'd just get mm, it hunked up. Just, what does the yeah. gorilla weigh?
1: Hundred and twenty kilos more. Oh, I, I think, think like
2: five hundred range, five hundred kilos or so. Uh, it depends I've if the gorillas on board with it. By animals, haven't I?
1: Either that, or I'm seriously back to myself. <laughs> Shit, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs>
2: I think I could knock out maybe a small mountain lion, maybe like a like a hyena, that sort yeah. of size. I think any bigger than that, it's probably going to have me before I punch it. Yeah. Biggest animal I can throw over a six foot wall. I'm gonna say a donkey, or a small horse, very small horse. Just get get around it, and then once you up up here, yeah, can, yeah, yeah, exactly. Once you've got it on six foot, foot, you can roll yeah. it. And yeah, and it it's courage. You're going for a more placid
0: animal. You'd have to go for like a Steinborn squat, maybe. So you'd lift it up sideways, get underneath, and then squat up yeah. and then do it.
2: Push, jump, yeah. Yeah, fine. You sir, should
1: we should we try this? Do we, should we meet up at Whipsnade Zoo? <laughs> do... Guys,
2: stop that! I'll please. do the, the ninety-day challenge if you can successfully throw a gorilla over a six-foot wall. I'm not going to that. You're doing the ninety-day challenge. No getting out of it.
0: <laughs> I think large goat, probably the largest I could manage. Uh, that's for over the fence. You wouldn't want to punch a goat because they're quite like pointy on not So
2: yeah. yeah. Fine. Punch. Cat, dolphin. Cat.
0: See, cat. Cats are so slippery though, Like you couldn't, I don't think you could punch it without
2: mm. it, it, it... It a parry block and then catch it up. I've
1: thought about it. <laughs> Especially when it shits in the house.
0: <laughs> Welcome to the Propane Fitness Podcast. Yusuf here. Thanks for having me on. And we are with Rory Fairbairns. From one year no beer, and in the spirit of that, um, I'm having a pint of shandy because I have such a beer problem that I can't have any even daytime refreshments without just some beer in it. So uh, here we go, cheers! Um, In your
1: Sports Direct
0: mug, I love it. (laughs) Hello, Rory. How you doing? Very good. So we're here with um, the Johnny as well today, and. So, Rory is the the man behind One Year No Beer, or as we uh, misspelled, One Year No Bear, which is a different company. Um, Rory, can you <laughs> tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, what's the story behind this?
1: Absolutely. One Year No Beer. If you haven't heard of it before, you will be soon. Um, <clears throat> so, um, I'll go into a bit of background. Originally, I'm from the Isle of Mull in Scotland, off the west coast, beautiful island, um really you know lovely part of the world but i tell you what they drink like fish up there um and uh, you know just like anybody um you guys are northern so you'll know what our drinking culture is like growing up around it just before my 16th birthday i decided to leave school because i was going to be richard branson and um i started my first business it didn't go very well um, and unsurprisingly and um realized i i needed to learn how to to sell so i moved down to the big city and um, started a couple of sales careers, and I guess like <clears throat> uh, many many jobs out there, you know, a bit of entertaining is required. But you know, weekends were my free weekends, and you know, partied hard. I've always been somebody who has loved the party. Um, and if we talk a- a- about my, ah, absolutely, and and um, you know, I've, I've 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 gone to the great places. I even did a, a season stint out in Ibiza, which was which was well. Um, some things you can't forget, right? Um, and uh, <laughs> a lot of fun, and um, yeah. So I, I decided to set up a, another company after a few years of sales. I thought I'm so good at sales, I'm going to start a sales outsourcing company. And I set this up, ran it for three years, employed ten people in Edinburgh. And again, you know, there's always just the odd bit of whining and dining, meeting somebody. It's kind of hand in hand with work, right? This um, this drinking thing. So you end up drinking a couple of times during the week. And, of course, I'm still partying at the weekends. And I was never that person, even later when I became a broker, I was never that person who was going home and drinking booze. Um, you know, I don't need to drink lager shandy all the way through my day just to get through it. No offense, buddy, but uh, <laughs> um, something we're going to put the gauntlet down during this podcast for sure. Um, so, yes, um, and uh, the company didn't work. And I found myself back on the Isle of Mal in the pub. Drinking, thinking, you know, why am I so rubbish? I'm clearly not Richard Branson. And um, uh, somebody said to me, you know what, you, mate, you should apply for The Apprentice. And I'd never seen the program The Apprentice before. And I, so I finished off a couple of beers, went up, filled out the application form, cut a long story short, six months of interviews back and forward to London. And here I am standing outside the show for The Apprentice, getting ready to go on. The producer's going, you're going on, you're going on. This was series two, I don't know if you remember, with Ruth Badger and that lot um, of The Apprentice. Anyway, so eventually after four hours, they came out and said, look, I'm really sorry, but you're not going on the show this time. And um, so the option was to, 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 they were going to fly me back to Scotland. And I didn't really want to go back to the Isle of Mull and uh, my tail between my legs because they all thought I was going on the show. And um, so I I looked at the departure board, and I saw the next flight going to Ibiza. Perfect way to get over rejection. Um, So I flew out there, went mad for a few days, enjoyed myself, and uh, called up some friends. And I stayed at a friend's and bumped into this guy who was a broker. And he told me all about broking, and I thought, you know what, I'll give that a shot. And I found myself all of a sudden moving down to London to become an oil broker. A bit of a, a, a... So they always say I never got hired by Alan Sugar, but um, I got hired by David Houghton. <laughs> yeah. And um, oil broking absolutely fit me like a glove. You know, um, the, the the mix between entertaining and 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 working hard and doing business, you know, I absolutely thrived in. Um, and I became a very successful broker very quickly. I've now been a broker for 11 years in, in okay. London. Um, I run a team uh, on my desk. But I'd say... About eight years into this, I've met my wife, I've now got my first child, and really the friction is starting to happen in my life. In one hand, I want to be successful, and I want to do a good job, and to me that means entertaining and and drinking alcohol, because they're so intrinsically linked, it's just you know, that's what you do in my brain. And on the other hand, I'm starting to have these problems, maybe my health and my fitness isn't how I want it to be, I feel lethargic, tired, I actually feel like, how have I been doing this job for so long. You know, I thought I was going to be Richard Branson. And and all of these things in my life weren't quite going right. And I I had specifically quite a lot of friction in my relationship. Now, I'm lucky because um, I've always worked hard at my relationships and counseling and things. I decided to take an anger management program. I wanted to prove to my wife that alcohol was not the problem in my relationship, but the anger in our relationship was the problem, her anger, my anger, whatever. And on this course, it said that um, it said that alcohol, this is interesting, I promise, alcohol and coffee are the two biggest instigators of anger. And so I thought, that's really interesting. So while I'm doing this course, I'm going to drop alcohol and coffee, and I'm going to prove they're not the problem. And that is when I literally had my mind blown. Uh, I'd done dry Janaries and things like that before, you know, many of us have, you, 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 you put your life on hold you ignore all your social calendar you basically become a, a, a social retard because you're not drinking alcohol you can't possibly face anybody out there but this time doing 90 days I had such a wake-up huge realization so much changed in my life I suddenly got fitter and healthier I wanted to look after myself again I wanted to um, I was like well, I need to start businesses this is what I need to do so I got together with another broker in the city Andy we used to work together And we said, he'd given up drinking for six months. And we said, look, there's something the world is missing here. There's a gap between what people think they need to do with alcohol. And that is everybody drinks and it's perfectly normal. And it's the last thing anyone blames for their problems. If you look at what people are Googling, they're never Googling how to give up alcohol. They're Googling what's wrong with my headache, tired, why am I bored, where's my productivity gone, Blah, 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 all my health problems. And so we need to try and get convince people to drop booze for 90 days, so that they can have this realization themselves. And that was the birth of one year Nobia.
0: That is really interesting. And you were so you were looking, you weren't even um, wanting to accept that alcohol could have been on the radar as the source of your problems when this happened. So it's not as if there's kind of a confirmation bias here. It's like, all right, fine, I'll give it a go because it's part of this program. And that's when the realization came. And exactly. The like very luckily by chance we um we've recorded an episode with chris about this topic and so this follows on very nicely and obviously you've um you've gone way more into depth with this too um so this was your story what was the what was the mission for uh, to, to bring this to the public and to to start getting others onto this game as well
1: Absolutely. So when we realized that we had to convince we we started thinking about what we could could create. And we knew everybody loves challenges. We were like, let's create a challenge. Let's sort of create a tough mudder style challenge. This is not an easy thing. This is a really difficult thing. So let's make it into this cool challenge that people can do and sit and be proud of not hide away from and be you know oh god I'm, I'm not drinking and and i'm sorry i'm the designated driver no let's get out there and go i'm doing this really amazing challenge and i'm changing my life and i'm feeling better and healthy so we wrote a book um an e-book which we we, we had at the at the beginning we created um uh, andy's uh, done a master's in positive psychology he studied um, behavioral change techniques he's worked on uh, mindfulness positive psychology as i mentioned and um, so we worked with the uh, professors at UEL um, to come up with, a, with a, a behavioral change technique delivered over 90 days of emails that would get people to completely rethink the way they think about alcohol, to get people almost distracted enough. I mean, if you imagine your drinking self as a toddler, right, um, I'm not sure if you, I don't think you guys are parents, so you probably won't get this yet. But, <laughs> but, but um, um, you know, it's I know all of, about... You. Yeah, exactly. Not that you know of. It's all about distraction. It's like, that's all you've got to do. Distract, distract, distract. And that's what this is like. If you can distract your brain long enough and uh, you can literally rewire it to change those those neural pathways that you're so conditioned to believe. So anyway, um, when we launched, this was back in February last year, 2016. Um, we, got a, we got a fair amount of press, the front page of the Metro, Telegraph. We were in Yahoo in 10 countries around the world. Um, we very quickly got to thousands of members and we started to work on our data and, and proving this as a model. We were absolutely blown away. I mean, it was, it, was, it was coming out that 84% of our people choosing the challenge choose to carry on after 90 days. Now, if you think about that, the vast majority of people go in with their toe in the water thinking, mm, I'm not sure I can do 30 days, and they then choose to carry on after the 90 days. And that's because of the way we were having them rethink about alcohol. Now, I loved your podcast with Chris Williamson because he's really understanding it, but it totally brought up loads of stuff, which I know we're going to get into deeper in this podcast. But really what we are now trying to show people is that is that your passion, your feeling that you need alcohol, that requirement, it's just social conditioning. It's just marketing. It's just stuff that you've been sitting and watching. It's literally habit. And actually, if you take a step back and you make this realization yourself, if you have this mindset shift, you realize that actually 90% of drinking is completely... You're actually looking for something completely different. And you can get it in a better and healthier way. And the reason why I say 90% is because... I did two years completely alcohol-free, and then I chose to go back to occasional drinking. I call it total control rather than moderation because everyone says moderation doesn't work. And I'm not trying to hold myself to three drinks a day or anything silly like that. What I do is when I feel like getting smashed up with the lads, I might go out and get smashed up. I know that the next day I'm going to be an iPad parent, and I'm probably going to be a really bad husband, and Monday and Tuesday I'm going to be shit at my job. But I just say, you know what, I'm going to resort myself to that fact. It's okay to be that occasionally. And that is what we created this program. So we didn't. We wanted to give a challenge that could help people move to alcohol-free forever, which is where Andy is at, my co-founder. And we have many, many members who are now celebrating a year, two years alcohol-free. Um, I, I forgot to mention that we are now 16,000 people in over 100 countries. Um, and, um, yeah, so... So it's about rewiring that brain.
2: So I feel like you're selling me on this, which is. Cool. <laughs> but I can I can feel myself gradually going like oh, that's a really good point. Maybe I'll just do it. But maybe before we get into it more, if if Yusuf and I maybe discuss like our current stance on it, Are you alright with that, Yusuf? Sure. Yeah. So <laughs> I I think probably the way I've been through a f- different phases of alcohol. When I was around eighteen, I was like, "That's the worst thing I can possibly do for my fitness, etc." I don't want to drink, and I didn't drink beer for ages. Um, like, I was just just spirits, um, and when I did, it was it was like from naught to hundred straight away. So I wouldn't drink for ten days, and then I'd go out and get hammered and go to a, go to a nightclub, and it was that kind of binge drinking cycle. And then probably slowly since then, it's like it's slowly morphed into um, more of a trying to avoid the extreme end of the of that because of the, the the consequences on the following days but it'll still be nothing and then maybe a few beers and then nothing and maybe a few beers and then a few vodkas and etc so it's kind of I'm very like off and on with it um but I I'm I'm quite accepting of it I suppose I definitely do drink alcohol I probably drink it I don't know whether I drink it too much I'm gonna start psychoanalyzing myself now but I I probably drink it Maybe once a fortnight, once a week, that sort of frequency. And at the moment, quite like it. So if you've listened to the podcast that we did previously, I was sort of the, the devil's advocate to Chris going like, you don't need to do anything extreme, Chris. Just You're, you're a club promoter. Just just calm down.
0: I suppose something, something <laughs> worth bearing in point. mind is, is how, much, how much you do have when you do drink once, or, once every week or two, Johnny. Because I, I suppose yeah. like you'll have maybe, what, two, three units?
2: Oh, no, more than that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah just, You're just a heavyweight. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> well, so, so let's, let's talk. How many? What, what, what's a drinking session? Okay. Um, so I'll probably I, I try to rate it on. I have like guidelines that I follow that I've picked up through various coaches I've worked with and stuff, which is mainly um, I will try and maintain my weekly calorie average volume or total volume, so I don't go over my calories for the week. I don't let it. I try not to let it impact my total sleep for the week. So in other words, if I miss some sleep on that night, I will, don't worry, I'm not being a politician, I'm going to answer your question. Um, I will, <laughs> I'll catch up in other ways, and then I'll also make sure I get my training in as well. So as long as those three things things—the sleep, calories, and training are managed, then I will then drink to the point where I have the in the back of my head, like if I had to train in the morning, do I think I could still wake up and train? So I'm trying to drink so that I'm fitting in, I suppose. Um, enjoying myself, it not being a psychological, like, oh, I can only have three beers, but also not getting to the point where tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up and, and cease to function. So that's how I, that's probably my slightly autistic, weird way of viewing it, but that's how I That's how I manage it. Rather so holding,
1: than say, the, holding the
2: politician to actually answer in real numbers, how many units? <laughs> right. So um, probably two or three beers, and then four or five gin, slimline tonics would probably, probably take me to the point where I could wake up the next morning and still go lift some weights if I wanted to. Yeah. Sure, there's, there's probably a mix of people listening. Some people going like, what a lightweight. That's like, I drink that on the morning. And then other people <laughs> going like, whoa, this guy's got a problem. I better email him. So <laughs> <laughs> Yusef, what's – because said I think Yusef's story is –
0: yeah, I I think I'm I'm probably as autistic if not more um, <laughs> regarding to this issue. Like Shandi's probably as extreme as it goes for me. Um, I I was brought up as a Muslim and which is obviously zero alcohol. And I feel like so I'm 27 now, um, probably 28 by the time this podcast goes out, <laughs> 32 whatever. No, um, and so it kind of I feel like I the. I bypassed the awkward years of my life without alcohol, where you're being made to go out for freshest week and all of that stuff. And it's just really unpleasant. I think if you've ever done a night out, especially to a shit night where um, you're not drinking, you're just like, by mid- midnight, you're like, I want to go home. And people are just getting started. And they're like, And then it's like 2am and you're like, I-, I really want to kill myself now. So, so I think um, it's only been this year where I thought, you know what I'm being unnecessarily biased against this, and it's not something that um I can really comment on until I've tried it, so I have, and I was a bit underwhelmed. it was kind of a quite a boring drug in the sense that like I feel like cognitively you're similar, you're just slightly slightly more steady um slightly more well steady mentally but more ataxic um a bit slower, but as Johnny said, it kind of because it wipes out the rest of the day the following day and your training and so on the cost benefit doesn't seem to match up for me so um i'm kind of back to being teetotal really after a very brief um trial yes. and i think yes. we just have to be empirical about things and you know it, everything apart from incest they say don't they that you should try once um to establish whether it's whether it's for you or not um the other thing that just came. When did to they mind, bring
1: that incest rule in? Uh, <laughs> in it's a really the,
0: recent. The old okay. exception, yeah. I think we we'll had to revise the uh, the rule. It's people, a recent one, right? Okay. Yeah, people were abusing it, so they thought. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> it was so commonplace.
0: That's it, and um, yeah, as Johnny said as well, like having, a, I think it, and I'm, I'm sure. With it, in fact, this was what you said that you you took some time off drinking and then when you reintroduced it you were able to enjoy it as and when it came without being sucked into it and I suppose you do have to deliberately with any vice and I've certainly got other vices and I've kind of developed coping me- mechanisms around not having to drink and then instead um getting my kicks elsewhere but I think you have to detach from it fully before you can then reintroduce it and enjoy it without the compulsion and without being drawn into needing it if that makes sense um What was that?
1: Abstinence breeds control.
0: Abstinence breeds control. There we go. So um, Chris actually sent me a very poetically worded article a couple of weeks ago about alcohol and its sort of chemical properties reflecting its spiritual properties, saying how alcohol is designed as the kind of the extractor, the thing which you use to to tincturize herbs and to, to get the essence of something out of it. And the article was trying to say that Spiritually, it does the same thing, that it, it takes away your essence for a while. And the more drunk you get, the more you leave yourself open for um, foreign psychic entities to come and um, possess you. And it's that's kind of a poetically worded way to say that, um, you know, you, you're you open to your more basal um, instincts being taken over by anger, as you said, or by... Um. Um, yeah, so interested in Depression. your thoughts on
1: that but it's a it's a natural depressant and you know nobody's blaming it for that you know sitting there feeling feeling um depressed unhappy sad and not re- linking the two you know we're not talking about it, it's one of those things it's a slow glad gradual death by a thousand cuts each time you're drinking there was a lot in that so i want to come back to that but just come back to you guys um you guys and your level drinking um We've got many members with very, very varying different levels of drinking prior to taking on the challenge. We've got lots of people who are very moderate drinkers who have seen huge benefits, not just in them, and this is one of the key things, but in the people around them. You know, it's living by example, and the effects that it can have on your brothers and sisters, your parents, your colleagues, your friends can be quite large. And that is like a a fantastic way to live your life if you have somebody near you who's affected by this, and almost all of us do. We have somebody who we know who drinks a bit too much. Um, it can have a very positive knock-on effect like that. I, you guys will be used to that with your health anyway. The one thing I say to anyone, uh, so, so based on the fact that almost on the sliding scale, we've had people benefit in ways. And the ways people benefit are very far-reaching. We've got guys who've had you know, skin problems and, and psoriasis that have been cleared up. Been told you know nothing would sort it out using all sorts of different creams and pills, you know. Of course, tons of relationships saved. Um, we've got a guy in Dubai who was doing Mark five years of IVF. Told they had not enough swimmers that he would never get pregnant naturally. Hundred days into our challenge, they get pregnant naturally. They've now had their baby, called her Amber Faith after the colour of our logo. Um, That's awesome. so our first O A M B baby. But it's, it's, I get letters written to me and posts and all sorts about the effect this is having on families and everything else. It's an incredibly wide-reaching thing. So just linking back to where you guys are, I just say, what if? What if? This is such a simple thing. Do 90 days. Feel it out. Find out for yourself. And that's it. You know, And, and, and if I'm right, and this is the upgrade you've been missing and the energy boost that you've been missing, and the life-changing thing that finally kicks you into gear, into, into doing those dreams, those goals that were on the back burner, into improving that relationship. You know, we're working on, on um, uh, an area of our business now with um, counsellors and um, um, therapists, so that this challenge is the number one, um, and many other areas where this challenge is the number one um, intervention. Prior to going into couples counselling, the pair of you do ninety days off the booze because you, you you can't talk about your marriage while you're still numbing yourself. Um, so so and you know things like PTSD etc cetera, etc. Cetera, it's 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 far reaching. And the other thing I would say that's different about our challenge, as we kind of touched on before, sure anyone can go out there and you can trial and error and work out how to try and give up drinking on your own. Yes, you just stop drinking, no problem. What our system does is teaches you how to navigate through those waters. It's like any good plan, right? You can sit, go out there and say, I want a six-pack of abs. Cool. Go and run around the garden a bit,
2: right? It's <laughs> yeah. going to take
1: you a while to get there. Or you can go and buy the plan from Propane Fitness, and you can shortcut all of that with years of understanding and expertise, and you can, that's it. Thanks, branding. High up <laughs> of fitness and nutrition and abs in 10 days. Um, And, um, you know, you can shortcut it by using a plan and a strategy that somebody else has created for you. And that's what our system is, It's to help you have that mindset shift. So, you know, that um, you, Jonathan, you know, you're talking about drinking to fit in. Well, I've got good news for you. That is about to change. There's a massive paradigm shift happening out there. Millennials are drinking considerably less than anybody else was. The reason why we all drink so much as an older generation is because we were marketed so heavily to... You've got major conglomerates like um, AB InBev, who are the largest brewer in the world, putting a public statement that they want 20% of their beers to come from alcohol-free. That's a massive tectonic shift. And so over the next 10 years, everybody out there will be asked to consider their relationship with alcohol. They will be thinking about changing. And what we are is we are pioneers. We are saying, you know what, I want to be ahead of the game. I want to see if this is... True. Do I really need to drink it um, or do I not? Um, and just the other thing we touched on was about the social aspect. In reality, we all ran about like absolute lunatics when we, before we were old enough to drink. We, didn't, we wanted to stay out till as late as we could. We had a wild and free time. We have been conditioned to believe that we are at a lower level or we are not on the same level as everybody else when we're not drinking. And when you lift that lid and you go in with an open mind and an open heart, yeah, drunk people are drunk people. But you can still have fun because they don't fucking remember, right? Now, I've done all sorts of events, and this is part of the mindset shift. You know, people say to me, "Um, I'm really – I couldn't do your challenge right now because I've got a wedding coming up or a stag do or something like that. And I say, that's brilliant news. This is why you should start the challenge because, you know, do you want to do a challenge which is a little walk over a hill – Or do you want to come and climb a fucking mountain and and learn and say, fuck me, I climbed that mountain? Because when you go to the stag in Berlin, like I did for three days, and I was in Europe's largest tech house at 6.30 in the morning, surrounded by guys who were chewing their face off and and, and, and absolutely pissed, only thinking about where they were going to get their next drink or whatever from. And I'm just standing there dancing, having an amazing time, loving the music. It was brilliant. But when I do that, I consciously rewire my brain to realize you do not need to have alcohol to have a good time you don't need alcohol to enjoy your friends um and so often we we are misguided in our thinking and we say well i want to go to the pub and have fun with the guys what you're looking for is social inclusion it's a deep a deep understanding inside you which if you deny like hiding away during dry january then you're just going to fail you're going to fall back to drinking but if you go out there and explore it and enjoy it and love being alcohol-free, then you will realise you didn't need it.
2: So I actually really agree with everything that you said, um, and I think especially the <clears throat> the point that you made about when you go out and not when you're not drinking, rather than feeling like you need to be reserved in your normal your normal self, if you just don't care, then it's exactly the same. And when I the, the period I mentioned where I was super bodybuilding focused and didn't drink at uni. Though, uh, my, that was my experience. A lot of the time, I think where I may be, or this is—I'm I, I not sure how much I believe this—but I know just thinking about my social circle now, I know that if I would present this argument to them, mainly because I can't sell it as eloquently as eloquently as you can. But also, <laughs> I think this is probably a common—it'll be a common resp- uh, like rejection of the concept. Is yeah. I think people don't like being told that they have a problem that they aren't already aware of themselves. So yep. there's, there's a similar thing moving with gluten, paleo, dairy, veganism, like things you know, concepts that are you should do this because trust me, honestly, you have a problem with it, even though in your life at the moment you maybe don't feel like you do. So yep. how do you get around the idea that like there are probably a lot of people that drink in moderation, whatever that means, don't feel like it impacts their relationships, their their lives, their health, etc. Yeah, where I was. Yeah, and I suppose they look at they look at you, they look at your movement and think, well, that's financially motivated. How do how do you overcome that objection or that obstacle?
1: Yeah, so uh, I think the 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 key thing is um, what we had to do for myself was to convince myself to do the challenge in a different way and that's how we are portraying it to other people nobody wants to give up drinking are you kidding me it's fucking awesome you go out you have a brilliant time you have a laugh at yourself you let go you release you relax it has all of these benefits when you start drinking but nobody wants the after effects nobody wants the long-term depressing the the poor health bad decisions later in the evening um, was it you or Chris who was talking about waking up next to a woman every time he gets shit-faced? Well, Chris. I mean, the question was, <laughs> I saw, we didn't grade them, did they? I mean, did he wake up next to, you know, <laughs> lifelong partners? or? Um, <clears throat> hey,
2: Chris actually probably does grade them to be honest.
1: It's <laughs>
2: yeah, a system. but
1: How conscious is he when he's pissed? No, Great. so but the point I'm making slightly off topic there, but the point I'm making is that um, we needed to disguise it inside this challenge. And that's the same thing for other people. So look at our website. It is totally different to anything else out there. We do not use any stigmatized words like dry or sober or you've got a problem. No, you don't have a problem. <laughs> you would be conditioned to be this way. We totally understand. What we're saying is come and do this challenge and try it out for yourself. Um, now, when you say about the, the financially motivated, this is what happened when we launched. So we launched and we gave everything away for free. And we very quickly got up to thousands of members, predominantly in the UK, lots in the US. We had a big following in Brazil, who would know? And um, when we... uh when we gave it up for free, of course it costs to, to deliver something like this. You know, the costs are actually astronomical. I'm sure you guys know that going out and doing all this stuff. Now, I'm still in my full-time job, which means I have to hire a lot of people to do a lot of the work for me, to plan stuff, reach out to people, to, to moderate the, the forums, the community, to support the program, to build it in the first place. We built four of the uh, – I'm holding up the sign of three and saying four – Four, I can count. Um, we built four websites, pretty much that three never worked. And we spent so much money on, 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 on trying to fix these. Now, um, what we realized is when we did some research with Stirling University, when we opened up our community to free to people, we had a whole bunch of people who came in and they weren't getting our mindset shift. They were trying to learn from the people who were in our community, and they were trying to do it on their own behalf. And you know what happened? They failed, and they failed, and they failed, and they came back and reset back to day one again and again and again and again, and it brought the whole system down. And suddenly our success rate was diving. We said, "This this is not working. And that's when we actually discovered something unique, is that we have a mindset shift, and that is our product. Our product isn't giving up booze. Our product is getting somebody a plan a strategy to have a mindset shift to live alcohol free in a completely alcohol drenched society so that's what our training does so what i say to to that whole um part we just talked about is it is very simple go yourself a couple of friends say i'm thinking about doing this challenge now what does the challenge actually involve okay so Day one, you come, you sign up, and you get a couple of emails which explain about this challenge. First step, book into a physical challenge that stretches you today, something beyond 90 days. Now, if you're already pretty fit, that might be going for an ultra. If you're not that fit, then it might be just going for your first Tough Mudder or even just a 5K park run. We had a 69-year-old ram in India whose 90-day goal was to walk a mile. Right? That's just what he wanted to do is walk a mile on his own. But So it's very varying fitness levels. Um, I, with the One Year No Beer team this year, I'm doing three different Spartan races. I've already done a couple of Tough Mudders. Um, I, do, I did the Three Peaks a couple of weekends ago. Um, and we do this as a community. We do this together. Um, now, it doesn't have to be together. You do it completely on your own. But this is part of your, your excuse. When somebody's in the pub, this is what we aimed everything at. When somebody's in the pub said, what do you want to drink? You say, oh, I'm just having, you know, I'll have a Heineken Zero, or I'll have a, um, what's that, nanny state. What, you're not drinking? Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on my Tough mother in 90 days. I'm just doing this 90-day challenge off the booze. It sounds so much better. It's, it sounds so much more confident than saying, oh, I'm not drinking at the
0: moment. <laughs> and they go, what?
1: you fuck What's fucking wrong with you? Have a fucking drink, you lightweight. So
0: th- this is something that I, I found really interesting over my kind of um, – over having been out and not drinking if someone's like oh do you want to drink and you go oh no i don't drink oh what the hell why not oh i'm a muslim like oh okay oh really sorry mate i don't (laughs) need to offend you there yeah or 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 if you say like oh i'm driving whatever it is if you have a reason it's fine but if you just say i don't drink instantly it's like you're a bit weird like there's something wrong with you what so i think when you when you have like i'm doing a 90 day challenge it's for a specific thing suddenly it becomes acceptable
1: It's more of an excuse. And the thing is, you know what's really exciting is we all talk about this in the community. There is a point when I don't drink is the scariest prospect and then it's the most exciting one because actually you're full of confidence and people look at you and go, fucking hell, man, you look amazing. Your eyes are bright. You look fit, healthy. you how, What's going on? And you go, yeah, I don't drink or I stopped drinking. And it's a very, very empowering thing. And in the first instance, people come on and they go, I'm worried about sharing this on my social media. I'm worried about telling friends this. And then within a few weeks when they get it, they're sharing it everywhere and saying, this is amazing. Come and join us. It's brilliant. So It's definitely a shift. One thing I just want to touch into there is something very important, um, and that is tribalism. Again, something so innate to ourselves that we all want to belong to a tribe. The tribe that we belong to, that we know drinks like fish. You know, you say... Jonathan, when you go out, that you drink that amount. I counted it up. That's pretty much standard drinking amounts if you're going for a night out, right? Probably eight drinks. It's, it's pacing. We get taught pacing early on. If you don't drink quick enough, you're, you know, there's something wrong with you, you know, blah, 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 blah. So that's why you drink that amount every time you go out. So we're all so used to that. This is belonging to the tribe. Now, what happens when somebody leaves the tribe? The tribe gets defensive and fearful. Mm -hmm. They're worried about their own. Are you leaving the tribe? And that's the reaction you get. And if you understand it, if you know how to work with that, then it's just like, it's okay, guys. But the other key thing is we have something very unique today that we've never had in the past. And it's called social media. It's called the, the, the reach of the Internet. And so now we've built a tribe that you can belong to in those early days. And this is very, very key. If you don't have a tribe to belong to when you try and give up drinking, you'll probably fail because it's so ingrained in you. You'll go back to the old way with your tribe you hang out with. But if you start to work your way towards finding a new tribe, we use social media to begin with, and then you come to, you know, with meetups all over the world, or you start joining people at more fitness-based things, and you start making friends and doing things slightly differently, as you mentioned in the previous podcast, that's when you start to make lifelong change.
0: I think this is something that we we mention a little bit in the fitness context as well. This tribalism sense that yeah. if you're making a, a fitness change and the people that you're hanging around with are not um, not at that stage in their lives or that or that it's not their focus, quite often it'll make them uncomfortable because uh, especially if it's overt, because it's like you're holding up a mirror or a reflection to what they're not doing, and it makes people uncomfortable, yeah. and they'll try and bring it <coughs> back down unless you either surround yourself with people who are aligned with the goal or you conceal your efforts and you just kind of quietly go out for a pizza and you don't, obviously you don't sit there trying to track it in my fitness pal and making a big deal of it. And so we kind of, we use the swan analogy where the swan is gliding along the top of the water and it looks like it's effortless, but underneath there's a very calculated movement. paddling away. (laughs) Yeah. Moving it along. Just something else on tribalism that you mentioned. I wanted to ask you about this, which is the, the sense of social freedom from being out now, I know I'm not one to really comment on this because I've not fully been on both sides of this, mainly on the, the not drinking side. But um, the level to which people uh, require alcohol on any night out to me appears pathological. It appears like uh, m- more than like the, if there isn't any drinks, it's almost like it's seen like a a bit of a sort of kids' night out and stuff. What's the point? Um, and I wonder whether this sense of social freedom comes from trying to counteract like the the very British neurotic kind of reserved approach and that when you have alcohol you have this license to be silly how much do you think is the alcohol and how much is it that they've been given the license and then they can loosen up and it's more about the social momentum and do you think the alcohol is is necessary in that because you said that you've got to the point where you'll be able to go out and you'll still be able to be fun without necessarily um, needing the alcohol to you along the way there
1: yeah i mean um i don't know do muslims go out and have fun
0: <laughs> well some do some are pretty boring but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty sure
1: i'm pretty sure they do now and again but but um i think a huge amount of it's social conditioning and i can prove it to you go out and drink heineken zero all night um and go out with a with a with an open mind you know so much of it is the feeling of the bottle the refreshing drink Taste of the beer, the action, being around socially with people, that's where you rewire your brain. You're right, it's not the so, it's, of course, it loosens you up and relaxes you. There are other ways to loosen up and to um, find yourself less tense. So, if, if you're talking about the long term challenge and what we're teaching as well, we need people doing mindfulness. Yoga is important. You know, mindfulness and becoming aware of your habits is so important. Um, and, you know, it's not just the buzzword out there. The science is irrefutable in mindfulness and, and meditation. It's really a practice we need to be cultivating. We we start integrating that early. If you haven't tried it, just give it a shot during this challenge. It will help. But those are the kind of ways you find new ways to relax. And also, you know, by not drinking on an o- an ongoing basis, your your level of tension has reduced anyway. Your level of, because it's a depressant, your level of upset is reduced. Really, so you feel happier. You feel calmer. So... I do think that a huge element of our um, going out is conditioning socially, just what we believed, absolute habit. Um, and I think we'll see that cultural shift now when people go to bars. If we could wind forward 20 years and what the bar is 50% alcohol and 50% not, and people are like, well, why are you drinking? You know, uh, you're not working tomorrow? I mean, it'd be just hilarious, wouldn't it? You know, like cigarettes. No one imagined that 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 huge um change would happen well it is happening the paradigm shift is happening out there um it's a good and point about
0: smoking because things- now they're the ones that have to go outside and, and stand in the rain and, and it's gone. not considered like oh man like you know gone uh,
1: you know in the studies uh, this is another important thing because everyone says oh it's nonsense every week i see a study coming out about the health benefits of alcohol and i say they're not health benefits of alcohol. They're health benefits of the ingredients used to mask the poison of alcohol. There is absolutely no data out there whatsoever that the, this, the exact substance of alcohol has anything but carcinogenic um, uh, effects on the human brain. Um, you know, there's a 30-year study which came out three weeks ago showing that even moderate drinking is having a dramatic reduction in brain health, uh, in brain size, causing dementia, blah, 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 blah. Anyway... We don't want to hear about the health bullshit because that's not what, it, that, you know, that is. Uh, everyone's tired of hearing that. We get that from the government all the time. I'm not here to rant to you about your health. Um, what I'm saying is there are some massive upsides here right in front of your face. And we're giving you the perfect challenge and excuse to give this a shot. Um, give it a shot. If you don't like it, that's fine. Money back. No questions.
0: We were wrong. Sorry. But I haven't done that yet. So, so socially loosing yourself up mindfulness yoga just going out and actually taking the momentum with you having a cold drink and seeing how far that takes you without yeah. the alcohol
1: the yeah. I, i've drinks um um working on all the good stuff on on behavioral science so integrating um those fantastic positive psychology things like what went well uh, gratitude journal um um uh, you know etc um journaling morning routines all that good stuff is what we start getting people to do on our on our challenge and of course you know giving back is such a huge thing um when people go through this change uh, themselves and they have the realization let's call it um it's gone right in my mind look at that that's so the adhd brain um what's it called it's when you have a epiphany Boom! <coughs> <coughs> um, just came to <laughs> oh, me. Sorry. Um, an epiphany. So when uh, they have their epiphany and go, fucking hell, that guy on the TV was right, that is when they go, I must tell other people. I must help other people. And we give them the community to do that, to support new people coming through, to tell them about their story, share their story, um, and, and help the people around them.
2: I think the, of, of everything that you've said, the thing that's probably um, resonated the most with me, or the thing that I think would be Whenever this gets brought up, it's my it's the thing I always go to and that is the, the impact, the social re- relevance, the social impact and the like, well you're so like such a lightweight if you're not know, drinking. And I've even been I've been part of arguments that involve, you know, someone turns up to something and they're driven and that person's almost immediately socially outcast or <laughs> and, I, and I I've been part of that. I've been part of, I've that, been part of that. I've been the, part of that. Can't yeah. trust him. Doesn't drink exactly. Like what a weirdo. Like let's actually prefer if you left, if that's okay. And it's it's the tribe it's the tribe analogy is perfect. Is someone does something to challenge the 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 norm, the status quo in that tribe, and suddenly it's like you're not part of us anymore. and I think probably if if all of my friends today turned around and said I'm not drinking for ninety days, I would just be like, fine, fine. At least least that's how I feel about it. I'm
1: going to hang out with you even more.
2: Well, because I think it interests me, and um, generally my attitude is like if something sounds challenging, like I'll give it a shot. Like I, we speak about the, the way that I sort of finally got into meditation was you so said to me like meditate for thirty minutes for however many days, and like you tell me that you don't like it, my reaction to that is always like right, I'm gonna shove you. Like, <laughs> whereas before. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm just going to try meditating. It might be quite fun yeah. if it's turned yeah. into a challenge. You're totally right, like that. That's it. Reframes how you see it. So I think for a lot of people, especially like mid twenties, we live in Newcastle. Newcastle's like the European. Oh, I know. I've um, how do you know? Been there on a few stags. Well, exactly. People come to Newcastle purely to consume alcohol in, in a specific way. But it's if you can maybe overcome that initial social. If the challenge helps reframe it, then it might might change might change how yeah. people can interact with it but I, I just imagine a lot of our audience are sat here thinking there's no way my mates would would allow me to you know I'd get socially outcast and, and that sort of thing is probably the okay the, the I'm worried about
1: well then let's talk about stealth drinking um, so th- this is the same thing this is not telling anyone that you're not drinking um you choose the venue or know what the venue serves make sure it's got alcohol-free alternatives tip the barman 20 quid tell them that whatever you order you're having an alcohol-free alternative um so you go up you um, get an alcohol-free beer the the worst ones have all got beck's blue but um, the best ones at least have a selection Bitburger drive the new heineken is brilliant um there are some brilliant beers going out there It's such a huge growth area it's the only beer market that is growing did you know that Everything else is declining. Alcohol-free beers is growing. Um, So you get out, you you, you put an alcohol-free beer with a little bit of lemonade in the top of your pint glass. You're now drinking pints. Um, When it comes to shots, you just get a, a water in your shot or lemonade in your shot. If somebody orders you a pint, you just, yeah, cool, take a little sip. Who cares, a sip. Go to the toilet, pour it away, go back to the bar, a different area, order yourself your special, come back to the group. Nobody needs to know. Um, you know there are loads of little techniques you can get away with it if you're going to a wedding or something like that take an alcohol free wine with you give it to the servers ask them to make sure that they're pouring your glass nobody needs to know it's a shame um, that the social so, structures are so strong that we have to go stealth training right that way uh, it's yeah, so interesting it's uh, in the early stages because hmm. when you feel confident in it it doesn't matter and the other thing is everyone is expecting you to behave in a certain way when you don't drink because that's how people behave when they don't drink. They go home early. They fucking whinge all night. They complain about everyone being drunk. So don't be that guy. No. Go out, have a bloody good time, dance on a fucking table, pull a bird, have fun. That is what, you know, you don't need alcohol to have a good time. As I said, you know, partying in the, in the, in the nightclub till late. You just have to let go. You have to learn to trust yourself, learn to let go, learn to shake off both their expectations of you and your expectation of yourself and just, you know, dance. Have a
2: good time. I have two stories that are related to what we just spoke about. So um, they've both happened to me in the last 14 days, both relating to, like, exactly what you're talking about. One, I was in, I was on a night out in Edinburgh. I was on a night out drinking. and uh, Road street? Yep, yep. Went to the toilet with uh, one of my friends. And we both had a gin and tonic. I'll not mention his name because I think he does listen to this. And I watched him pour the drink down the sink and fill it up with water again. And I just remember, like, just watching, like, someone just bought him the drink. He went straight to the toilet, poured it down the sink, filled it up with water, and then walked out again and stands drinking in the in the circle of people, and no one mentions a thing. And suddenly he's gone from having like a double gin and tonic to a glass of water. And That's everyone treats him exactly the same way. But if he'd ordered the water, well, like, exa- I was like, but the- who is this guy? Like, <laughs> bastard. What a He's just bought you a drink. Like, that would cost him like six, seven quid, maybe even more. And you're just like, so that was number one. So I was quite impressed and it related to what you're saying. Number two, in a bar ordered, um, someone ordered me a beer and or ordered me and him a beer. And it was the Brewdog Nanny State. Now I'd never heard of that before. We sit down and I notice that it says alcohol-free on the side of it. And I said to the guy, there's something really weird about this beer. What do you taste it? What do you think it is? And he like sips it and he's like, mm, tastes a bit like this other one, tastes a bit like maybe our bre- old Brewdog beer is the same, thought it tasted like punk IPA. I was like, actually, it's alcohol-free. We ended up, which is so embarrassing, we ended up taking the beers back because we thought we'd be, we'd served something else and we didn't want to be served alcohol-free beer. So, you know, naughty me. Yep. But naughty I, you. I thought, yeah, I just, both of those, it, it's, it's weird. I, I kind of well, you know what your punishment is, isn't it, don't you? 90 days of, of alcohol-free yeah, beer. Exactly. No, no, yeah, exactly, 90 days. I'll, uh, I'll, give you guys,
1: I'll give you both a link um, to, <laughs> to, to sign up. We'll get you guys doing the challenge and um, <laughs> uh, starting
0: whenever you want, to, today or tomorrow. What do you think, Yusuf? Fine, I'll have to pour the shandy away, but although it's it's 0.05 percent so uh,
2: hey still counts yeah no that's
1: I mean, that's pretty uh, at zero pretty, that you're down at low alcohol and the reality is that the water content is higher than the amount that you would ever ever get pissed but and still in saying that you know um when you get down to these very low alcohol ones there's more alcohol in the likes of orange juice than there is in the um in the low alcohol beers um, so we just find them a fantastic stepping stone because you are rewiring your brain. If you go to the likes of alcoholfree.co.uk, um, and for the people who are heavy drinkers um, who are listening to this, who think, you know, actually, I'm, I'm more on the problem side of things. Um, I am drinking a lot. I drink to excess. I drink every day. I drink to sleep. I drink to feel better. Well, you know, we know that you're not – sorry to, to be the wake-up call, but actually um, drink is what's causing your sleeplessness. Um, and you think you're drinking to sleep because you get to sleep quicker, but you don't get the deep REM sleep. I mean, there's so many other things that you're going to realize. But for those people, I think it's very important to swap them out with alcohol-free alternatives, remove everything from the house, um, and and have a tasting session on your own. You can go to alcoholfree.co.uk and order some wines. They're not very good. They're getting better. Um, We've got the world's first non-alcoholic spirit, Seedlip. I've always got a couple of bottles. I serve that up like a gin and tonic. It's incredibly refreshing. It's got no alcohol in it. It's brilliant. Um, And um, you've got uh, drydrinker.co.uk, and they are the UK's largest distributor of alcohol-free beers. So you go there, you order a couple of cases of alcohol-free beer, you, you, you... but the time the other guys are drinking, maybe it's poker night, whatever it is, you can go two, three, four different bottles, or maybe you have a tasting night each Thursday and Friday. You get through a month without even realizing you've not had any beer uh, or not had any alcohol. So they're really important in the early days. And for the people who are listening who, who maybe think they're a much higher level than that, you know, they're, they're talking about maybe the words like alcoholic. I, I'm not a fan of the word alcoholic. Um, I think, again, it's all coming down to social conditioning. I don't think there's a gene out there that makes you an alcoholic. I don't think <clears> there's <throat> a disease. I think that we are more predisposed to, to addictive behavior. I certainly am. I'm ADHD. Um, and, um, and so, um, for, for those people, this, this program may not be for them. And the reason why I say that is because often those people need more support than we can give them. This is a social challenge. For people who are just thinking about getting an upgrade in life um, and want to see if there are benefits to their life, which I promise you there are if you're drinking anything more than fourteen units, the recommended amount I promise you there are there are wide reaching benefits for you out there um but yeah so if you've got the problem, it's worthwhile seeking professional help
0: so there's the benefits of stopping and I think on the flip side seeing you know as you said the the far the the far end where alcohol abuse really gets to um, the extreme point like go on to any hepatobiliary ward in a hospital and you'll see some pretty extreme cases of uh of ill health um this year yeah. seen some some people in a pretty bad state and uh oh. it certainly doesn't act as a as a good advertisement for for alcohol um so Rory on to sex just because oh yeah um, sex. this is something that um <laughs> I've always never my mind is boggled at this that and people, sex. Et I just don't understand. How, how, do you, how do you do it? Like, the typical thing, you said, you know, you, well, you go out, you have seven or eight drinks, you're probably at your drunkest point by the time that you go home with somebody. You're at your least sexually functional time, both in terms of alcohol, blood level, and time of day. You get home at, what, 3am or something? And you're sort of thumbing it in. Um, how... <laughs> I mean, this is not my experience. This is... Uh, <laughs> But <laughs> it's. I find it interesting that um, the kind of unspoken incentive for going out and dressing up and going out on the pool is that as the end point, yet That's it's true. overridden by the rest of it, the, by the alcohol and being dysfunctional.
1: I don't want to sit here and be like, oh, holy than now, you know, everything is perfect. Come and do this because it's amazing because there's 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 changes. Life is not going to be the same. And and uh, or, you know, for, during that period of time, there are adjustments. But what we want to do is get improvements in life in ways maybe you didn't realize. Right. So if, if talking to me personally, I've been married all the way through drinking and not drinking. Um, my wife and I. We used to fight like cat and dog, I mean, properly smash tables and chairs over each other's heads. She is Scandinavian, Swedish, um, tough Viking, doesn't even get close to it. And um, you know, we were always at loggerheads. Three, four months into this challenge, we both agree we were more in love than we'd ever been. And that deep, authentic connection in my marriage um, took, um, took, sorry, somebody else has ringing me there, um, that took our marriage to a whole new level. It took our sex to a whole new level. It was just so much more passionate, much deeper. It was just much more authentic. So th- that's from that side. From the going out and pulling and, and um, everything else, of course, it's different. However, go out, be sober. And I used to do this with a friend of mine. And watch how drunk women flock to you because you're not the guy who looks like he's having a stroke. Right? <laughs> that's what people right. look like when they're pissed. <laughs> You know, right, And you're standing there, clear conscience, you know the woman you're looking at, you can see, you can chat to her authentically, and really, not just, not just with all, all the bullshit. Um, I think that you make much more real and authentic connections, you do, by being sober and real in yourself than you do... So maybe you shag um, uh, one night stands less when you're not drinking alcohol, but you find much more authentic, deeper, longer-lasting relationships, etc. when you're not drinking... And that's really
0: what we all want, right? So that that is interesting. That from a relationship perspective, it's it's deepened your your connection. Um, you're saying that there's more authenticity. You're more attractive in terms of not looking like you're having a stroke. Um, the <laughs> acute effects of just not not being um, drunk and, and sexually dysfunctional, um, and I suppose also the the if the subclinical long term alcohol. Um, use will impact your estrogen metabolism and your and your sex hormones your androgens and that's gonna you know give you testicular atrophy and worse sexual function and um, man boobs and the rest of it too so it does seem like a bit of a complete picture
1: yeah exactly um so and again it's it's about getting out there and trying it it probably should be the first thing on on dating as well is is um, go out there and try sober dating. And, and do you know what the beauty is? For most people now they're, who are dating, they're in the millennial area, slightly older, but they are the, the millennials are drinking less. You know, the worst thing that can happen now is to find yourself spread all over social media because you got absolutely pie-faced. You've been tagged um, in 200 photos. Yeah. <laughs> I know, and spread around everywhere. So, um, so yeah, that's what, we're, that's what we're trying to avoid now.
0: So one more thing I'm I'm interested in your thoughts on uh, I don't know if you saw the the David Nutt paper that looks at reclassifying drugs according to physical social and mental harm um rather than just according to the kind of arbitrary classification that we've been we've inherited over the years um if for anyone that hasn't seen the paper it basically looks at all of the drugs that are considered illicit or controlled so class A B and C and then includes alcohol and tobacco in that as well, and reclassifies it based on the ratio of fatalities per user, um, amount of social harm, addictive potential, and all of this. And he concludes, you know, with no kind of political agenda, that alcohol and tobacco should really be class A or B. And there are certain illicit drugs currently that are class A or B or C that should be downgraded. And uh, obviously that categorically. wasn't... Categorically. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't very popular with, with the... Uh, the the existing um, Ministry of Health but it's um, very interesting to see that it was just you know, if you take a purely evidence-based perspective on it you get a very different picture and it's more just that alcohol and tobacco have just managed to slip through the net and because they remain and they're so embedded in our culture they, despite being categorically proven to be harmful and carcinogenic and the rest of it cost uh, the
1: economy billions
0: well, yeah <laughs>
1: It, 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 I'm afraid that's the case it, it, the, the cost of the economy is absolutely um, enormous, the cost of uh, problems, deaths um, uh, all of the all of the problems from alcohol it's absolutely the standout uh, there is a great graph as you say um, interesting when you talk about all these other drugs um, there's a fantastic s- uh, speech by Johan Harry and this is pretty much what One Year No Beer is based on and he talks about the, the, our understanding of addiction is entirely wrong. If you think about it, in reality, the fact that you feel that you need to go out and have a drink, and that we're also conditioned to drink, is that at some level or another, we are addicted to alcohol at a small, at, 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 a, at a level. We believe we need it. We believe there's something wrong without it us. It's so conditioned into there. Um, and that he, ha- they have discovered, and what they are proving, as we are, is that the opposite of addiction is actually connection. It's getting people to connect more within society. So um, the the, the example he gives is that you put uh, alcohol and water into a rat cage and the rat sits there, tries the water, tries the alcohol, doesn't like the alcohol, goes back to the alcohol, doesn't like it, goes back, goes back and eventually gets addicted to the alcohol, drinks it all the time and dies. But then... If you take the same um, rats but make the cage a massive cage with lots of other rats and wheels and spinny things, and lots for them to do and enjoy and feel included and be a part of a tribe, the rat will taste the alcohol and never touch it again. And they just drink the water because they are happy, healthy, included people. And Portugal took this to the extreme, if you like, and they deregulated or decriminalized all their drugs and they made it a requirement for companies to employ people who were addicts. Um, and they, they brought addicts back off the streets instead of treating them as, as um, outcasts, treating them as feel-included people. And they completely went from the worst country in Europe for drug problem to one of the best in a very short period of time.
0: That's really cool. Uh, Gabo Amate talks a bit about this as well. Um, the, the 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 psychology of addiction. He's, he's a he's a medical doctor that deals specifically with with um, heroin addicts, and uh, he's got some really interesting lectures on YouTube. So we'll include some yeah. links to that. And um, brilliant the the guy that you mentioned in the show notes,
2: Johan Harry. Exactly. I imagine if you went to like your local A and E and asked them what they what they thought the impacts of of alcohol were on people, they'd probably have a very it's probably quite accurate it's it's the biggest cost to the NHS yeah well I think you've probably convinced me
1: awesome (laughs) I'll send you links and anyone else who wants to get involved with us let's go do it when is this coming live guys
0: it'll be three or four weeks from now
1: brilliant perfect Perfect timing so so that is beginning of beginning of August Hopefully, Sometime yeah. beginning of August. Yeah. Perfect timing. August set, Och, great. Before you get into the festive season, realize, um, you get, I mean, everyone's like, oh, God, it's the festive season. I have to drink so much. But imagine going into the festive season thinking, you know what, actually, I don't think I'm going to drink, and I'm probably going to love it. I mean, I did Christmas and New Year without drinking.
2: I just couldn't imagine that.
1: But I loved it. That's what's so weird. Um, so it's a fantastic challenge to, to, to try.
2: Yeah, well, if you've got links and stuff, we'll include it. We, we make show notes for every podcast, so we'll include links to wherever you want us to send people, as long as it's Fantastic. relevant and not, not porn and stuff like that.
1: Feel free to reach out to me. Um, I'm on, on Facebook, Ruri Fairbairns. It's the One Year No Beer. Um, uh, you can find us at oneyearnobeer.com. Um, and get signed up to one of the challenges there. Um, so join our Facebook page, and then we'll bring you into the community and the forum and um yeah i'd love to hear your your thoughts and feedback and i'm excited to see what happens with you guys um so um maybe you add a little update onto the end of your when this podcast goes live of just how it's going for you and what you think sure
2: and we'll Fantastic. get chris back on to, to sort of discuss this further as well once he's listened to it
0: yeah it'd be great what what do you receive when you sign up for the challenge
1: uh, 90 days of emails. Um, you get a, a sort of myth-busting guide to begin with. Um, we've got a book coming out with Bluebird in December. Uh, Bluebird Pan Macmillan. It's going straight out to all the English-speaking countries. Um, and um, that's the 28-day alcohol challenge. People get people's mindset. But everything we've geared, everything we've created, is to get people to go for the 90 days because we know that's when the real fundamental change happens for people. Some people it happens early. You know, eight, ten days in, they're like, I'm done. This is amazing. Other people, it can be 60 days. Some people are like right up to the end, 84 days before they go, got it. I understand now. Um, so, yeah, uh, predominantly daily emails, you get access to our forum and community. Um, we have a blog writing area, which is really inspiring, seeing other people's stories. Uh, we have an audio program, and we also have the Mind Fit program, which is all that stuff around positive psychology, which helps you really retrain your brain um, and, and boost your mental health while doing this challenge.
0: Excellent. So yeah, check out com to find more from Rory and uh, the challenges. And we will speak to you next week.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much for
0: having me on, guys. Great. It's
1: been great.